David to perform entire All For One album on 40th Anniversary UK Tour. Ex-Merciful Fate guitarist Michael Denner blasts Hank Sherman saying he broke my heart and stabbed me in the back. Slash explains why Guns N' Roses plays three and a half hour live shows. And we give you our top five Brian Johnson era ACDC albums straight ahead. I am Bushy, and with me is the greatest co-host a guy could ever have, Metal Mike. How are you, brother? Aw, shucks, bro. Thanks for the compliment. I'm doing all right, man. Thank you for having me be part of this endeavor of yours. It's, it's been a blast so far. Oh, it's it's say. it's so much better with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, man. Well, I mean, it's it's hey, doing a podcast by yourself is, I mean, doing a radio show. I think a live radio show is a challenge by yourself, but a podcast. I couldn't imagine. I could not imagine doing it without doing it, having a co-host. There was no way I was even going to attempt it. So kudos to you for doing it as long as you did. Well, I, I had to keep it going. I didn't know if that other guy was coming back. And then when he just flat out didn't come back, I was like, well, right. you know. All righty then. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, well, shit. So I just put stuff out sporadically. Right. And then, uh, then I reached out. And I knew you had, like, a few guests and stuff, you yeah. know. Because we had talked about having me on as a guest. But, yeah, when you had gotten wind that I was wanting to get back on the podcasting and you hit me up, I was like, oh, fuck. I mean, it kind of – I'm surprised I didn't hit you up sooner, really, because I'm like, we'd work together on Nights of the Turntable, which that was a fun show, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, that we used to – that was a live show. It was almost kind of like a live podcast, really, um, in a way. Yeah, it was like Brothers Grimm, just not as good. Yeah, but, but pretty I, good. But but I but I thoroughly enjoyed doing it. Yeah, you know, I just think Brothers good. Grimm have been at it for so long that well, they're pros. Yeah, they've got it's their stuff right. down to a science. But no, I thought we had a good show going there. Um, it, too too bad it, it couldn't last. But 
the listeners loved it, man. You know, they were like all about it. So I was getting a lot of positive feedback on that. Yeah, that's awesome. Maybe maybe someday we could bring something back like that. Who knows? That would be cool, man. You know, I'm not going to call it Nights of the Turntable, though, without Scott Green's blessing. Fuck Scott. <laughs> it was, was kind of his idea. I know, I'm playing. I I'm say playing. that all the time. No, just kidding, Scott. Even though Turbo sucks, bro. So, uh, anyway. Whoa, 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 whoa. It does. Look, it I took fun. enough rape on Saturday. Uh, yeah, fucking whatever, dude. Those, those of you that listen to us, I'm sure you listen to Rock All Over You podcast. And they had us on to review the uh, 1987 <laughs> Girls, Girls, Girls album. And I just took a fucking shellacking. I'm pretty sure that me and Metal Mike agreed on only Wild Side and that Rodeo sucked. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, you know, they were like making a bit. I'm like, I don't get it. I thought that song kind of sucked. Yeah, I'd rather listen to I was song. like, I, I can see why it fucking didn't make the record. But, I mean, honestly, it wasn't any, I mean, well, you know, you know, we all know my thoughts on Girls yeah. Girls. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, but it but it was a fun time. I still think oh, I stole I had a blast. show with my joke. Yeah, you know, I can't even remember what joke was that. Uh, that was my stripper joke. Oh yeah. When yeah. I've, I've seen this movie before, but I'm getting fucked by three dudes. One of them's a stripper. I th- <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. ki- that was killer because everybody busted up, and anytime I can make somebody laugh, I feel good about myself. That was pretty funny, man. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. I um, I definitely want to do something with those guys again. It was a lot of fun. We'll have to pick a good album this time, though. I mean, uh, something that we all. <laughs> um, I actually like that dynamic where I was the only one defending that stuff. So <laughs> that was well. I mean, that was interesting. I think our dynamic's pretty cool because in many ways, even though I love a lot of different styles of metal and hard rock and all that, you know, as we know, um, I'm, that's the nerd in me. And it's not that I really, because to me, at the end of the day, it's all hard rock and heavy metal, essentially. Sure. Know? But it, there are different styles. So whenever I use it more as a way to describe the way something sounds, maybe, um, I'm not like, but I, I am kind of fascinated with the heavy metal family tree where my older brother scapegoat gets irritated with it. He's like, it's all rock and metal. I'm like, I, I hear what you're saying, big brother, but you know, but I, I would yeah, say, I don't have time to classify to... us. If we were to classify us though, dude, you're the glam metal guy and I'm the thrash metal guy. I mean, that's basically what our diet, you know, even though I love like traditional metal and, and a lot of the Same. obviously doom and stoner metal because I'm, I'm black Sabbath essentially, you know, and right. they started all metal, but I like a lot of different styles of metal is really what I like to call it instead of subgenres. And, you know, uh, and you and I do agree on a lot of stuff. It's not like we're always at odds, but you're, you're more the glam metal guy and I'm more the thrash metal guy. That's how I look at it anyway. Yeah, yeah, you're not too far off there. I mean, I like the traditional stuff, too. I like the new wave of British heavy metal. You know, I like oh, all yeah. that stuff. And, uh, oh, sure, sure. You know, um, I, I have found that there's some some death-type metal I like, even some newer stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really dig on that melodic death metal shit. Like Amana Marth, I could find no flaws in that band. It's oh, like, I think Amana Marth are cool as fuck. Dude, man. it's like Iron Maiden meets growly vocals. <laughs> you know? Well, it really is like uh, whoever came up with the whole 
because really they were more and still are considered extreme metal melodic death metal but they kind of created their own style of viking metal they call it and they really are i mean when you yeah. listen to the music i'm like man i could see a bunch of dudes <laughs> fucking going to battle oh hell yeah fucking axes you know and fucking shit up man i mean it's cool i like them on marth man I, i've always uh, my nephew kane just absolutely loves them um, um, but again, it kind of fits in with the, the kind of metal he likes. Yeah, it's got a power metal feel about it, which is why I, a bit. That's why I compare him more to, to Maiden than I would like power metal. Although with some of the power metal I've been listening think, to, Sabaton as such, it's it's probably close to that too, as far as the. Oh scene. yeah. Well, I think with Sabaton, man. I mean, honestly, when I hear him, I definitely that's almost like rallying music. When you hear it, it's like, are we about to go into battle or something? Like it's very. Um, and, and they're and, always talking about they, World War Two shit, so that helps. World War One, World War Two, yeah, a lot of things involving. Really, I mean, if you want to get honest, uh, I'd almost classify them or, or call them historical metal, you know, because they're always singing about history all the time. Right. But yeah, Kane absolutely adores them, but I've noticed they're a band that, like, like when I first heard them, I'm like, what is this? I didn't get it at first, you know. But I've been that way about a lot of different bands. I mean, hell. First time I heard thrash metal, even I was like, "What is this new sound? I have to take in, and do I like it or not? I'm not sure." I was that way with Merciful Fate too. First time I heard King Diamonds, I'm like, "What the fuck?" You know, but when when I when I got it, I got it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. See, I got I got King Diamond. I got his voice. I got his whole vibe immediately. There was there was no what is this? It was like this fucking rules. Right, and that's cool too, man. I mean, hey, hey, hey. I love the king. We all know this. You and I mutually mm -hmm. love that guy, and we love Merciful Fate. Yes, you know, yes. Good stuff. And that's why I thought it would be fun to get some Merciful Fate news in here today. But before we get to the news, man, how was your holiday? We just uh, just went past 4th of July. Uh, Did yeah, just really extremely busy, dude, because I was supposed to technically work Saturday. But uh, here in Edwardsville, they do their fireworks display. And where Bill lives, where Bildo lives, is just an ideal spot to watch the fireworks because we live right behind the golf course in our backyard. You know, that's where they shoot the fireworks off from is past them. So, you, you know, you have like a great view. And every year he, he always, you know, he'll either roast a pig or he'll do a pork butt, smoke something. This time he smoked ham and, um, and I grilled some brats and jumbo hot dogs and stuff and uh but it's a lot of work too i mean just preparing oh, yeah. for everything and getting everything ready and stuff and that's why i didn't do my show last friday i took the last couple fridays off because uh, well one you know i had um a concert i went to that was willie nelson which was amazing by the way oh i bet uh, it was really cool man it's the first time i ever got to see willie and it just blows my mind guys like pushing 90 and can still do it at a high level and his son micah sounds a lot like him man nice. you know like apparently willie even has a granddaughter who has a band and i think it's either a rock or metal band so i'm like oh i gotta check that out I'm i did see that his granddaughter's in music i didn't see what kind of music but something yeah, not, came across the facebook feed the other day yeah so it's like you know very very cool but you know my mom was a huge willie nelson fan you know the redhead stranger was one of her favorite records of all time so i grew up on that stuff you know it was really cool that's awesome. Now, I've seen Willie, but I don't remember it, so I don't count it. Uh, I think my grandparents, my uh, dad's parents, my memo and papa, I was living on the farm in Virginia with them when I was real little. I may have I may have even still been an infant at this point, and they went and saw Willie Nelson took me with. So I don't remember it. I don't count it. Well, yeah, if you, you know, 
I mean, you were there, but you don't remember any of it. So it's like, but you were there. So it is still kind of cool, man. Yeah, I mean, I was there. And, and then I've always been a fan. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm jealous you got to see him. You know, God knows how much time we have left with Willie. Uh, right, the, the well, and that's one. That's one of the things that you know, not to interrupt, but that's one of the things. Bill was like, "Hey, dude, he's coming, and you know, if we're going to see these legacy guys, we need to." And I was like, "Let's do it." So he got the tickets, you know, and then I paid him back for mine, of course. But uh, so, what was you going to say about George? Oh, uh, George Jones, I was supposed to see, and he died a week or two before he was supposed to play on the water. Oh, and, dude. Uh, dude, I was so upset because. It's George Jones. Who's going to fill their shoes? You know, I'm like, oh, I mean, I grew up listening to him too. So, I mean, I was, I was bummed about that. Country music legend, man. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's heartbreaking, George. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Forth wasn't bad. Uh, we live right across a river, um, and uh, the river—it's not like it's a wide river. We're not talking Mississippi. We're talking—you could walk across it first of all in most places, uh, so it's not very deep. Uh, I call it a creek, but they say it's a river. It's a tow river, uh, T-O-E. Yep, like your big toe. And uh, right across the river is a park, and uh, there's a ball field. And uh, they light up the fireworks for the ball diamond. They, too, do it on Saturday. So I can, like, literally, I was just, like, leaning on my truck, looking straight up, and I was able to see the fireworks. Um, I don't remember a lot of the weekend because I just got annihilated. Um, there's some hottie that lives around here, so everybody was hanging out. We were bullshit with her, and we had, a like, a not really a bonfire, but a campfire, drinking beer, doing shots of fireball. Um my last memory of Saturday night after all the fireworks and everything was grabbing all my stuff. I had my uh, Bluetooth speaker out there with me so we could listen to tunes and stuff. I remember grabbing my phone and grabbing that speaker, and that's literally all the memory I have. Nevaeh told me she went to bed at 1 o'clock in the morning. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what time I got in. And by get in, I mean I probably have to walk 50 yards from where we were, you know, having this fire. Sunday, same thing. I just got smashed all day. Monday, 4th of July, when I should have been doing something, you know, I cooked out both Saturday and Sunday. Monday, I wasn't having it. I just laid in bed all day watching the last season of Breaking Bad and El Camino. <laughs> oh, right on, man. That's how I spent it. I've been going through that series again. I do it once a year. 
cool, cool. Yeah, it's uh, a great show, man. It's oh, a yeah. great show. It's one of my favorites, for sure. Mine, and too. I, it's almost time to go through Battlestar Galactica again, because I do that annually as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, I haven't seen Battlestar. And you're talking about the newer version. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, I haven't seen that in a while, but it was a great show. Um, yeah, I mean, I just finished up. I'm caught up on the mid-season of Better Call Saul, which was like, wow. Um that was a cool, that was a crazy ending, so I'm See, really... I've got to start that again. I got maybe six episodes into season one, and I was like, fuck this, man. I was so disappointed. Oh, you got to keep watching. You got to keep watching, dude. It gets a lot better. It That's lot what better. I heard. Also, it also fills in a lot of blanks, too. So if you're, if you're, you got to watch it, dude, you know, just... Yeah, I, it does start off a little slow, but it gets, it gets pretty good, man. Well, well, I've pretty much decided because, um... You know, all my uh, DVDs, I've got Battlestar Galactica on DVD, mm. and those are all put away right now. I'll, I'll have, you know, access to those after uh, I get moved again next week. So, uh, I, I think I'll just go ahead and start Better Call Saul, and just start it back over, Season 1, Episode 1, and catch up, because they've got most of it, except for the current season. Yeah. You know, so uh, who, who, Who's they? Netflix? Yeah, or? yeah, Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you got plenty to, you know. Yeah, so I'll be able to catch up. Uh, man, I was just not digging it. I, I, I really wish I'd have stuck it out because I'll, I'll see Ralph posting about it. He's he's great at posting shit that gets you excited, and he hasn't told you a fucking thing. Yeah, but, which is really cool about it. But, yeah, it, it, it's, I mean, I mean, I, I even when it first started, it was like, because I was kind of like, Wow, they're doing a prequel series, but with this guy, I was like, why? I mean, not that I didn't like Saul. I thought he was funny, but I just thought it was an odd choice, you know? But as the series progresses, and you see how he goes from being this person to becoming who he ultimately becomes, <laughs> it's, it's interesting, dude. It's really in- And plus, there's a lot of, you get to meet a lot of the people that are breaking bad regulars. Right. And, and I've heard that, and I know, uh, especially with having gone through uh, Breaking Bad all over again, you know, when they first come to Saul, you know, Jesse's telling uh, Walt that, you know, you, you're you thinking about getting a criminal lawyer, but what you need is a criminal lawyer. So, it's actually not a bad idea to get this guy, because you know he's got his fingers dipped into many pies anyway, because he doesn't have many scruples. No. <laughs> He's, no. very, he's very cowardly, but he doesn't have many scruples. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it should be. It, uh, like I said, I'm kind of curious to see how it all gets resolved because there is certain things where I'm like, okay, well, this character's in the series, but these characters are not. So what's going to happen to them and why are they not in, you know? It's just interesting, you know. I, I like it a lot, man. It's, it's good as Breaking Bad. I won't go that far, but it's pretty goddamn good. I mean, what I love about it is you're going right back into that world, that universe, that yeah. Vince Gilligan, and that's what I love about it. So, yeah, I definitely think you need to, you know. The thing that confused me is it starts off, and, and I've only seen the first six episodes of season one, and I don't remember much. But what I do remember is him working in that donut type shop i forget what it was but it's like after he's had to make the move he's had to pay the vacuum guy to have yep. his whole identity erased and this new identity yeah and, and i remember saul making that joke about that's not how he wanted to end up 
<laughs> yeah, he's like in fucking Nebraska, dude, and he's like a nobody. Yeah, he's like a manager to fucking Krispy Kreme or some shit or Cinnabon. Yeah. yeah, and it's really interesting because he's the series jumps around a lot, a Wh- lot, which is fine. Know, I'm, like, I'm good with just the like Breaking now, Bad coming does. back. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, that's what I'm saying. It should be interesting to see what ultimately happens because. Not only do I think you're going to find how he ultimately becomes the character that we know in Breaking Bad, I think they're going to let us know exactly what happens to him. You know, it, are the feds going to catch up to him? Right. Are you know, you know, like Jesse pretty much got away. It looks like clean. You know, but hey, that poor guy went through so much hell. He deserved a happy. Right. Ending. And that last season was rough. I mean, Ooh, it, it was, basically man. being a slave. You know what's interesting is when El Camino came out. Uh, I loved it, man. I, I watched it I watched it like three times back to back because I was just like, "Fuck yeah," you know. But when you're watching Breaking Bad on Netflix now, El Camino plays right after the final episode of Breaking Bad, uh-huh. and I like continuity. And his beard was too long, his hair was too long, everything about Jesse was wrong. From him running outside of that building and getting into the Camino and driving off, and then Walt going and dying next to the uh, lab. Yeah. To the first scene in El Camino, I'm like, no, 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 no. He can't grow this much beard in 45 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> right, right. But no, they, it's they definitely have done a great a better, They should have done a little bit better job of, of making things sure things match for us fucking geeks. Right, especially um, if you're going but, to watch it like that. Um, but the one thing that was interesting too, uh, one of the things I loved was the trailer they did for it, which I thought was going to be in the movie, but it's not. They literally shot this as a trailer, and it's Skinny Pete, and he's like, "Man, I don't know where he's at. I don't know what." And he goes, "But you know what? Even if I did, I still wouldn't tell you where Jesse Pinkman's at." And I'm like, "Oh!" And it was like El Camino coming yeah. soon. Nice. I was like, you know, it was a really cool fucking trailer, man, because he was just like, oh, Skinny Pete was like, I ain't giving him up, but he was just like, look, dude, I, I can't fucking help you. I don't know where the fuck he is, and even if I did, I still wouldn't tell you. It was yeah. it was cool. Yeah, definitely good stuff. But let's get into some heavy metal talk. We've done enough TV talk. Raven, I know you're a Raven fan. you got to be a Raven fan. Oh, for fan. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, now, Raven was a band that, again, like, in my younger years, they kind of, they kind of Past my radar, I didn't really discover them until afterward. But when I did, I was like, "Holy shit, these guys are awesome!" And I've I've liked them ever since. Yeah, I think Raven are cool, man. Well, see, with me, it's kind of the same thing. I had no fucking clue, but they were the after party show at the first Rock and Pod, right? And you know, me, Ian, and Ralph, we went out there and uh, saw them. I got to meet them because Ralph's buddies with the brothers, you know. Because I know he knows he's got it like that. You know, but I saw a Madison Square Caliber, a Madison Square Garden Caliber show there at the basement in Nashville. I know. Man. They were just fucking... I was so jelly of you guys. I so would have, would have loved to have been there because, like, at that point in time, I had gotten into them. Like I said, Raven was a band that kind of slipped past. Like, I'd heard of them, but I'd never really heard them. And then when I did, I was like, holy shit, you know. Um, no wonder they had these guys on tour with Metallica back in the day, you know, yeah, for the Kill them All for One tour and all that. And, yeah, cool band. Very cool band, man. Yeah, I'm telling you, I, I don't know that I'd ever heard of them at all. Um, mm-hmm. But they're performing, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and admit this, this is the only album I have digitally. Uh, now, I do have a couple on vinyl, but that's all put away right now. 
Um, but they're going to perform the entire All for One album on their 40th anniversary United Kingdom tour. Oh, nice. And I think that's pretty fucking badass because... That's awesome, dude. I mean, that's a badass album. Oh, it's a great album. Great record. I mean, Probably my favorite Raven album. Dude, Hung Drong and Quartered is what turned me into a Raven fan. And seeing it perform live uh, didn't hurt. You know, like I said... I mean, I almost got hit with the dude's bass headstock because that's how close we were. Because it was in a, you know, in a bar. <laughs> but it was a good time. I, uh, I think that's badass. I wish they would do that in the U.S. and come somewhere around here. Oh, that would be great, man. I would love. You know, I, it bums me out because uh, a few years ago, uh, I didn't even know about it till after the fact. But fucking uh, Diamond Head came to town. Oh. one of the small clubs that I go to regularly, man, and I'm like, fuck, I would have loved it, because it's probably the only chance I'll ever get to see, you know, especially a legacy band like that. I mean, obviously, Diamond had huge influence on Metallica and Megadeth and all those guys. I mean, part of that, like Raven, part of the new wave of British heavy metal. Right. Um, yeah, you know, it's like, so any, that's why I jumped at the chance when I found out that I was like, okay, I couldn't go to Judas Priest because they were too far away, and they had Saxon and Black Star Riders torn with them, right? But Saxon and Black Star Riders made a stop here in St. Louis at the at the um, Delmar Hall, and I was like, fuck yeah! And my nephew Kane loves Saxon. I got him into him a few years ago, and I was like, hey dude, let's go see Saxon. And oh man, they were amazing. Bit Byford still got a great voice, can still do it at a high level. So again, that's one of those things. That's one of my goals. Is like you know, if I get a chance to see a legacy act, I'm gonna go. You know, oh, and yeah. not just metal either. You know, like I just seen Willie Nelson, but if I get a chance to see like somebody like Lionel Richie, I'm gonna go for it. You know, because these guys aren't getting any younger. That's that man. That's a fact. And I gotta tell you, they're uh, they're pretty excited. Uh, John Gallagher, you know, the frontman bass player, says we cannot wait to get back to Blighty, crank the amps to 11 and visit our all for one album in its entirety. Two of the songs have never been played live, so that's going to be fun. Bands on Fire, so we deliver the metal in spades. Uh, support will come from the U.S. band Hellgrim, who I have no knowledge of. Hmm. So that's pretty badass. Interesting. That is that good, great, good for them, man. And I, I, man, I, I hope they make a DVD or so, or a, uh, you know something for it. You know, for us Yanks and people who can't probably aren't going to be able to see it because that that sounds really cool, man. Yeah, I imagine it'd be pretty badass. Michael Denner's pissed, dude. Yeah, what's this all about? Yeah, he what's says it's uh, heartbreaking for him to be excluded from Merciful Fate's current reunion. Uh, when it was announced in 2019. Uh, that the influential Danish heavy metal act would reunite for an unspecified number of concerts throughout Europe. It was revealed that the lineup for the shows would consist of King, Hank Sherman, uh, Bjorn T. Holm on drums, Mike Weed on guitar, and Joey Vera from Armored Saint and Fate's Warning on bass. Yeah, because Tim Hansen died. Yeah. Uh, in fact, when I went to see King Diamond in, in Louisville, Kentucky, um, King dedicated a song to him. In that concert, because he had just passed away like maybe a week or so before. Oh, so, wow. so yeah, man. So what do I? I okay, well, well, this I is gotta say, as a Merciful Fate fan, I kind of have a problem with that because he should be there, man. Unless yeah. he can't play or something. 
Well, this is what he says. What's He's, the deal? He says, I feel like this is not my band anymore. I'm not part of it because they didn't tell me. They didn't invite me. We didn't even have a discussion about it. So, of course, it took some time for me to digest it. It was quite painful because I miss my friends from the 80s. I miss them. But not the people who are in the band today. I wish them the best. I mean, the better they play, the more records we can sell, and the more money I'll get in the end. Of course, it's heartbreaking. And also to see and hear they played my signature stuff. Most of the songs they play now is things I've done. My signature solos, my themes, my arrangements, my stuff. And it's another guy who plays. But then again, Mike Weed's a great guitarist, and he's still a good friend of mine. So if anyone should do this job, I'm glad it's him who did it. Yeah, he could do this shit. That's some sort of comfort in all this agony and disappointment that it's Mike Weed who plays. Um, then he goes on to say, uh, The thing is, me and King, we had a discussion some years ago. It was about a cover of a Denner Sherman album. Because the artist who did the artwork for the cover is Swedish artist Thomas Holm, who did the Merciful Fate, but listen, don't break the oath. Uh, and of course, his way of painting the stuff a bit more than a bit similar to Melissa, don't break the oath. And King got upset and tried to stop the album. And uh, he did He did end up trying to stop it. He, he was able to, to, to stop the uh, artwork from coming. So the, that's pretty... I guess is that's that when what they, it is. Was that when they called themselves Fate? Because I got to say, that shit sucked. I looked that up, you know, because I never knew what, again, I didn't even know that they had formed, the, the, like when they left, they just called themselves Fate, and then King Diamond, of course, formed his band, named right. after himself. Um, I, you know, so I was like kind of curious, you know, because I'm a Marshall Fate fan. I was like, all right, well, you know, well, the age of the internet, I checked it out, and I was like, Ooh, yeah, this isn't that good, man. It's like right. it wasn't even that heavy. It was like, no wonder King Diamond said deuces, you know. But it, at the end of the day, though, to me, I just got to say, if, if dinner's not there, it's not really Merciful Fate, is it? I mean, nothing against this other guy, but, you know, and I, I don't know, man. I mean, I mean, I, it's not that I, I have a problem with certain bands carrying on sometimes when you have no choice, you know. Uh, but at the, at the same time, it's just like, I, I don't know. See, I would love to see Merciful Fate, but if Dinner isn't there, that would bother me. Yeah, and, well, he's not. He's not you know, participating in any of those shows that are going it's gotta on. There's got to be a reason, man. Well, that's, that's the reason he's giving is him and King got into it about the artwork from his album. Mm. And, uh, King apparently went the Gene Simmons route and blocked that shit, whereas Gene Simmons lost a makeup argument. You know, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sucks, but, you know, Merciful Fate's on tour. I've seen some footage from over there. What is it, Hellfest, I think they played? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty fucking, pretty fucking I, good. Aren't they, aren't they going to be in Vegas this year, I believe, or was that last year? I, I think it's it this year. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, sure. it, was, it was enough to where I'm like, man, I almost wish I could, you know, I'd have to scrape the money to go just because I'd love to see Merciful Fate. But now that I know Denner's not going to be there, I don't know, man. Oh well, Tough I would still that that's one of my bucket list bands though. I I definitely if they if they ever come to St. Louis, I'll probably bite the bullet and go. Yeah, I mean, come on, it's King Diamond anyway, so. I know. And, I the, know. and the makeup and the devil crown thing he's wearing is so badass. I'm I'm like go. Oh. King's, oh, not hey. gonna, King's not going to come to North Carolina. They won't let his ass in the Bible Belt, so I won't ever be able to see it. Right. Yeah, you're going to probably have to move, bro. I know. Eventually. Yeah. Someday. Sir, yeah. Yeah. You and me both. But anyway, uh yeah, uh 
that's not, that kind of sucks to hear in a way. Um, I was not aware that dinner was not part of it. So, man, that sucks. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's it's rough, especially somebody else playing his heart, or his his parts, and he can do it. But right. That's that's where we forget as fans sometimes that we like the bands, but this is the music business. And and you also got it's it's interesting you should say that Bush because I was just listening to, um, um, you know Zetro uh, Steve Zetro D'Souza from uh, Exodus has his own podcast called um, Zetro's Vault or something to that effect it's called and um, he uh, he just had uh, Greg La Cicero from uh, Forbidden and also his current band Dress the Dead and. Um, Really cool interview. It was a two-parter. It was pretty much like the whole history of Forbidden. And, and just, you know, because, you know, Forbidden was part of that thrash metal movement, you know. So there's a lot of history there. And you know how, like any metal scene, it's there's some incestuous shit going on there with guys from one band ending up being in another. And, and you know, you know how it is. Right. And uh, it was really interesting, though, because uh, they were just talking about, um, Zetro just said that sometimes people don't understand, you know, behind it. Well, you know, these fans will get upset. Like when Paul Bailoff left Exodus, the original singer, some fans, uh, yeah, Zetro's Toxic Vault, that's what it's called. They were upset about it, but like people had to say, remember, you know, like you got to understand, we all loved Paul. Paul's great, but Paul wasn't making it to rehearsals. Paul wasn't making it to gigs sometimes. Paul was not really interested in taking Exodus beyond the Bay Area. decision of letting Paul go and getting Zetro, who was in the band Legacy, who would ultimately become Testament. Yes. Chuck Billy was Zetro's tech. Okay? Oh, wow. And, yeah. See, again, there's this whole... Right. And what, what? So, right there, there's a what if. What happens if Bailoff doesn't leave Exodus? Does Chuck Billy even have a career as a musician? We will never know right. these things. Unless you go to... A parallel universe, maybe. But anyway, um, yeah. So you know, it, it's just it, sometimes it is. It's the music business, and sometimes you got it. You know, it, you know, Zetro was. I mean, he was a great front man, and I, hey, I love, I love that first album. I think, I think, um, or not Zetro. Uh, Bailoff was amazing, but I also understand where Gary Holt and those guys are coming from. They were wanting to take the band 
and make them bigger than what they already were, you know? Sure, um, sure. And, 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 and Bailoff was holding them back. I, I think kind of like the way Deano was holding Maiden back, because Deano apparently was just, at that point in time, was a hot mess, and a, it was just had a major coke problem. I mean, Steve Harris has said more than once, it wasn't for Paul's ability that he was let go. The guy could sing. That was not the reason why. It was because he just... It, 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 and it, and Deano even said it got to be too much for him. It was right. like too much too soon. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. So anyway, no, that's that's cool. Uh, back to the uh, merciful faith thing. If they come to your area, I would definitely go check them oh, out. Oh, I'll go. I have to. They're one of my bucket list bands. Okay, and then there's the fact that yeah, but it's still going to bother me. I mean, that's just the fanboy in me. Though, sure, I sure. Can't, it's kind of like Black Sabbath. I went ahead and went with this last tour because my buddy Brian wanted to go. And uh, we made a road trip. We had a lot of fun, you know. But at the same time, and, and Tommy Klufostis, or however the fuck you pronounce his name. Klufato. Klufato, is that it? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Klufato. Klufato, I got to remember that. Tommy Klufato did an amazing job, man. In fact, he's filling in for Tommy Lee right now. Well, he was. It looks like Tommy's playing the whole sets now. Oh, is he? So yeah. he just miraculously got better, huh? Interesting. Well, okay. I mean, he had broke his ribs like three weeks ago, so. Just saying, man. So I'll tell you what. This is a band that I'll go and see, even though it's not the original lineup. Uh, Guns N' Roses. Uh, they're on a European leg of a tour. Uh, they haven't been on tour since, uh, or international since 2019, obviously because of the plague. The Red Death. Uh, he says there's a, definitely a sense of pent-up expectations after not having had any real concerts or any kind of real, like, uh, real live activity for so many years after the lockdown and all that. So, so, you know, so, so there's some pent-up energy being expelled. He said we did a three-and-a-half-hour show. We've been on this tour. We've been playing three hours plus. Last night was three-and-a-half hours. played 30 songs. It's good. It's fun. We play that long because we enjoy playing. It's not because we have a mandate to play for three hours. It's just we get going, and we just can't stop. <laughs> that is badass. That's pretty cool, yeah. I mean... Apparently there was also a, uh, a live version of Don't Cry and You're Crazy on it. And maybe, uh, I just dropped the page here, it looks like maybe the only way that you could get it 
was uh, through the Guns N' Roses store. Let me get back down here. Um, did, uh, yeah, release a new four-song EP, Hard School, in February. The effort, which is exclusive to the Guns N' Roses official store, contains the two new songs a band released last year, title track and Absurd, uh, as well as live versions of Don't Cry and You're Crazy. Okay, so two new songs, two, two old songs. Why would they do another version of Don't Cry? Just uh, live, who knows? Yeah, I guess. Uh, they're now reportedly working on a new studio album, the first out of the Guns Banner since uh, 08's Chinese Democracy, and the first to feature Rose Slash and McKagan since 93. I'm not going to lie, man. Uh, the Guns N' Roses geek in me is stoked for that. Uh, I, I'm of a mind that, yeah, I know, you know, no Izzy, no Guns, fuck yeah. I, I like the Illusions albums. I mean, I like, I, I like, uh, um, uh, what the hell was it? They had all the acoustic stuff on it. Oh, lies. I like that. I liked that it had the live like a suicide EP on the other side. Appetite, obviously a banger of a record. There's, there's, that's flawless. There's not a bad song on it. They peaked with that record. Uh, see, I disagree. I, I, I think they just got better. In my I mean, opinion. Really? Axel wanted, really? Axel oh. wanted to do this big grandiose stuff and it fucking worked. And okay, Chinese Democracy I thought was amazing. I was just missing, I, I was missing Slash. That was my big thing, because that guitar tone, that sound, that's... See, I think this band might be even more overrated than Motley Crue. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, and I'll tell you why I feel that way. All right. At least Motley Crue, whether I like those records or not, and I'm talking everything post-Shot Devil, they've been around, and they've been consistently putting out material. Fair. You know, they've had, uh, in my opinion... Again, this should show you how unbiased I am. Like, if I had a if I was running the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Motley Crue would be in for sure. They've had a Hall of Fame career. You cannot take that away from them. Whether you like them or not is fucking irrelevant. Okay, Ooh, Motley. Yes. Okay. I don't feel that way about Guns N' Roses. I mean, they did what? Appetite. Then they did Lies, Lies, Lies. Then you do Use Your Illusion one, two, and then how many years though? fucking record 93 to 2008 that's ridiculous that's not a hall of fame career i'm sorry i don't give a fuck well, well, i don't no, care they, i don't care they had man. the spaghetti incident that was a good album oh. <laughs> god and i love Chinese I'm, democracy I'm, but that's not again it's not even the original lineup the oh that's a guns that's a fucking actual rose solo album let's just be real about well, i don't it. know dizzy reed and matt sorum were there weren't they are they original members well no no they sure aren't okay so anyway in, in, in uh, this day and age and, let, and let's be honest with each other doesn't here, matter dude it, it's a rarity for original members to even be together anymore yeah it, it's a rarity yeah I, mean, I think I think I, I you know left? I don't know I I, I I mean I see what you're saying because it, it I give people like Lemmy who had numerous lineups and, and yeah, he he, get, he gets a fucking pass <laughs> and so it, you know but maybe it's because the music was still awesome and it was consistent it was more consistent it was and not that it didn't take twenty fucking years between albums I'm I'm sorry dude whether you, I know some people love Chinese democracy some people hate it honestly I haven't listened to enough of it to give a fuck okay I'll be really blunt about it all right Guns and Roses to me, yeah, they were. I mean, I love Appetite and everything, and I liked Lies, 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 Lies. I should say. After that, though, I think 
I think Use Your Illusion is one over-bloated, fucking, just bloated, fucking, just indulgent, fucking mess. I think that, it, you know, you take some of the best tracks off both, you might have one decent record. Oh, no way. Oh, way. Oh, way. No There's way. Many, oh, God, dude. Yeah, way. Sorry. <laughs> way. I mean, you know, I'm sorry, man. They, they didn't necessarily have to release them side by side like that. Because uh, I, I think they caught a lot of shit for that. And I'm the guy that thinks Illusion 2 is the much better album. Uh, Don't Cry on the on the Illusion 2 album, the blue album. The alternate lyrics is a much better version than the original version. But, I mean, there's so much good stuff. I mean, I just want to know who told records. Axl Rose he could do ballads. Who, who told him he could do that and pull it off? Because he doesn't have the voice for that at all. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll tell you who said that. Uh, FM Radio, uh, Top 40 Radio, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, MTV, because everybody loves Sweet Child of Mine. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I'll give you that. <laughs> Reluctantly. Because I, I hate November Rain. God, I, you know, really, I should say this. I don't hate the song itself. Maybe if they had given it to Elton John, it would have been really good. You knock that fucking shit off. You shut your whore mouth. Whatever, <laughs> dude. That voice just kills it. Love it. <laughs> Fuck that shit. That's just his voice, man. It's unique. It's different. And it works. <laughs> well, let's get off of Guns N' Roses and get to why we're really here. <laughs> you mean a real good rock and roll band? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when last we spoke, there was not a guest spot on another show. We had completed the uh, the Bob Scott era, which which, which I thought was... Hard, because there's only five records to really choose from. We can make mm-hmm. the arguments for the live records. We can make the arguments for that other TNT record. But we went with the five main ones. We went with the international starting right. because to, we don't. We're not Australians. I'm not from Australia. I don't know now. Now I, as I said, I told you before, we're kind of working on a Bon Scott tribute thing. Me and my older brother. Oh yeah. Uh. I am going to talk about the Australian records briefly on that one, only because it is part of their discography, and I'm talking about the history of Bon Scott and ACDC, you know what I'm saying? So in that essence, I'm going to address it. But as far as like, yeah, I wasn't going to be like, oh, yes, this record is in my top five when I've only listened, heard it for the first time in the last year or two, you know sure. what I'm saying? So it's like, um, so yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that's like with me, with this uh, Brian Johnson era stuff. Ah, I, I had to go back old. I, I had to go old with this. Now, I think Power Up's a great record. That was the last one they just released. I love Power Up, man. Great album, man. Yeah, um, I thought it was a really good record. I mean, I, I agree. Is it a top five I, album? I don't... Not not for me. I'll, I'll go well, ahead and spoiler alert. Honestly, for me either, but I got to look at this way, dude. It's, it's, it's really almost too soon to tell. I will say this, though. I love the fact that uh, Angus said that this album was... That this was, you know, uh, now I'm talking power up. This record is pretty much a dedication to Malcolm, my brother. It's a tribute for him, like Back in Black was a tribute to Bon Scott. Right, and, and plus Brian Johnson to come back. Because remember, we had Axel uh, Axel DC mm-hmm. on tour, and all those, all the all that footage I've seen of that was absolutely amazing. And that's one of those rare instances where you had a a singer that wasn't the singer of either lineup. 
but could absolutely do both lineups. And they were they were doing stuff they hadn't done live in fucking years. Brian Johnson can't pull off riffraff. Uh, riffraff. I don't care what you say, but no. Axel could. Yeah, I look. I mean, I had mixed feelings about it, but I got to give again. I'll give credit where credits due. I'm fair, and I thought Axel did a great job. Oh yeah, I was actually hoping for an Axel DC record. I'm not going to lie. But when I heard Johnson was coming back, I was like, okay, yeah, no, I'm in. And Power Up's good. I like Stiff Upper Lip. I like Rocker Bust. What was that other one of the of the later ones? Uh, Black Ice. Good good albums. I, I like some songs here and there, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, when we go through these top five, I, I am steadfast in these. And I'm still not sure on this order. I've got them in order. But two of them might have to be switched, and we're, we're going to get into that. Uh, now, Brian Johnson era, you got into them with, uh, for those about to rock. No, 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 no. I, I got introduced to the Brian Johnson era with Back in Black. My brother bought that. Oh, your first album you bought was for, for those, those about to rock. rock. Okay, yes. Yeah, I'm trying to remember our last conversation. All yes, right. Sir. For me, I, I had a cassette of Back in Black um, around the same time. Or within a couple of years of those Kiss albums my dad gave me. Uh, yeah, because that was 83, so this album came out in, what, 85, Back in Black came out? When did Back in Black even come out? I can't even remember anymore. 80, 1980. Okay, no, then I had that tape then. And I don't even know how I got it. I just remember it being in my tape deck and playing it. And it was funny because Brian Johnson's voice was so alien to me. I was like, is this a black rock and roll band? This dude doesn't sound like a white guy at all. This is fucking amazing. It's because he's Scottish. <laughs> you know, it was just, it was out there. And he's just got that gravelly, gritty. Yeah. I think Angus Young said once, Brian doesn't sing. He just kind of screams. <laughs> well, I don't know if you know this, but when he was in Jordy and Bond was in a band called Fraternity, him and him and Bond were friends. Not like super close friends, but they had met each other and were friends. And, there was a time when when uh, Bond was like, "You got to see this guy, Angus. He screams his arse off," nice. which I love, you know. Uh, but yeah, he was bragging on Brian, you know. So it's kind of cool in a way that Brian ended up getting the gig. I think I think Bond would have been happy with that, you know. I really do. I think that they got the right guy. Oh yeah, obviously. I mean obviously. You know, I mean, there's no. I don't see how you can debate that. Really, a band that should have been done. It's still going strong. And not just that, but with Back in Black, I mean, it's so weird because with Back in Black, everything that Bond predicted that was going to happen to ACDC came true, only he didn't live to see it. It's fucking eerie. Right. But Bond was totally convinced that ACDC were going to be huge. I don't even know if he could have fathomed how big they got, though. I don't either. And, and if I'm being honest, and good Lord, ACDC fans out there don't hate me for this. I don't know that they could have done it with Bond. I really don't. I think we appreciate him so much more now than he was appreciated then. I don't know, dude. They man, that hotter than hell, or that 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 highway to hell, man. It was a banger of an album, and the, the band had momentum. Right. They had momentum coming into that record. Some of that stuff was written when Bond was alive. So I, it's hard to say. It's really it, it really is. Hard to say. It is tough. Like I said, it it may be an unpopular metal opinion. No, I don't think it's on. I don't think it's totally unfounded. But, I don't think it's on. But that back and blackout blew up, and I think a lot of it is on the fact that 
Oh my God, because Brian Johnson's voice is nothing like Bon Scott's voice. You know, thank you for saying that, because I don't know how many people, and I, I'm thinking most of the time when I talk to people that say this shit, they're more casuals. They have to be, because I've heard them say, well, I think they sound the same. And I'm like, are you fucking high? No, the, like, the band sounds the same, because it's yeah, fucking but ACDC, Brian but and Brian and Bond are two different worlds. Thank you. Thank you for saying that, because I'm just like, what? You know, in fact, I remember one time this guy got pissed at me because um, I forget, I think it was in one of the group pages, somebody had said, well, you know, this band's got replacement members and this and that, and it's Kiss, Scab, Kiss. I said, yeah, and, yeah, they are. I mean, because they got two motherfuckers. And, and, and this guy was trying to argue with me about other bands. I'm like, well, you know what? Those other bands don't have dudes dressed just like them, sounding just like them. Right. Okay, let's be real. Okay, let's just be real about it and call a spade a spade. They turned Eric Cena into a goddamn copycat clone because he could have his own style, and, and we all know this. We've heard Eric. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're well we've versed. The, yeah, we're, we're well versed in Eric Singer's fucking. fucking bands. Yeah. <laughs> and, and how many other bands? Lita you know Ford, I mean? Alice Cooper. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Black Sabbath. Badlands. You guys played with everybody. Badlands. You played with everybody. But Tommy Thayer plays differently than he did in Black and Blue. He's trying to sound like Ace fucking Fraley. Yeah, he's doing Fuck what off, told. you fucking kiss tards, okay? Yes. I don't care if he's doing what he's doing, but admit, just admit it to your... No, Tommy don't have his own style. He is fake fucking Fraley, okay? No, I'm, I'm with Let's, you. Right. That's, that's why I like that Monster record so much over um, um, Sonic Boom, because I felt like, even though while he was kind of riffing off of Ace's style... You, you still got a feeling of, okay, these guys are playing their own thing finally. Whereas Sonic Boom was just trying to recapture the 70s with the wrong guys. Right. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Because yeah, right, I'm, really I'm with you on the scabs. That, they should have took that approach when they had Peter and Ace in the band when they did Psycho Circus. But that's a whole other fucking rant. And yeah. I'm not even going to get into that. We're not, talk, we're not getting sucked into the goddamn kiss for No, we're not doing that today. Point is, my point is, is that... This guy got hateful with me and was like trying to use other, and then he used ACDC, and I said, "Oh, come the fuck on, dude!" He tried to say that they sounded like I'm like you are high or on crack if you're saying that. I said either that or you're a casual ACDC fan for saying. I said because I'm sorry, Bond had way more range than Brian. Brian screams his ass off, and Bond had way not that Bond couldn't scream, but you know what I'm trying to say. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I said he was a better lyricist. Again, love Brian and. I know there came a point where he didn't even do the lyrics for ACDC anymore. Uh, and part of that's because I think he had something going on and he couldn't. And then he was just like, hey, if you young guy, young brothers want to keep writing the lyrics, tear it up, guys. I'm fucking takes the pressure off me kind of thing. So whatever. But yeah, the first, I think, like several albums, he did write the lyrics, you know, from maybe till Fly in the Wall or the album after. I can't remember. But um, yeah, dude, I, I'm sorry. To me, there's a world of difference stylistically between these two. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, the but it still worked. It, it was like... They, and I give ACDC credit for not trying to find a Bon Scott clone. Well, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I, I think they sound heavier with uh, Brian. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know if they cranked up the distortion or what or what they did differently because the instruments didn't change. You know... Uh, Sometimes uh, I think maybe just... With Brian's voice being more gravelly, and also you got to remember, those guys were probably upset. They lost their friend, they lost their bandmate, 
that's going to reflect in the music. And when I hear Back in Black, maybe not lyrically so much with certain songs, but there there's a bit of um, an edge to that record. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think it's because... And it's because of the fact that they were upset and grieving for their friend. I mean, even Brian was upset. And he wasn't even a member of the band, but he knew Bon. He had been friends with him. So, yeah, it was one of those things where I think it was like, let's go in here and fucking do the, do it for Bon. And boy, did they. Yes, they did. And we're going to get, all, get into all that. We are going to rank our uh, top five Brian Johnson era ACDC albums. difficulty with this because ACDC is one of those bands that obviously I, I love the Bond Scott era and I love the Brian Johnson era as well but I'm not as familiar with some of the later albums so I kind of basically did a whole listen to their discography for the last couple of weeks nice and uh, I've, I'm going to tell you right now I've already eliminated um, Rock or Bust and Power uh, power up is that it power yep. up power up uh, mainly for two reasons uh, one those have Stevie Yun and not Malcolm um, you know Black Ice was the last album that had the back in black era lineup of the band even though I know the back in black era lineup wasn't on every album right right you know before that there you know but um but uh uh, and, and, and even though there's some albums that I like besides this one, I, I when this record come out, man, um, it, it uh, kind of got me back into ACDC, to believe it or not. You know, the last few ep- uh, I had some buddies that, like, got stiff upper lip and, and uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Ball Breaker and some and, and, and those are not bad records. You know, I don't really think even the Brian Johnson era of ACDC ever put out a bad record. You know, it's just... But this album, for some reason, I was, it was just like... It really, really um, reminded me of, of the old school stuff that I love so much. And that's Black Ice, believe it or not. I really, really like this record a lot, man. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I, 
I know it's probably going to surprise some people, but yeah. Um, and also, maybe because of sentimental reasons, because of what happened afterwards, it, it, it's, it's kind of elevated to my top five. But I mean, come on, man. Rock and Roll Train, Skies on Fire, Big Jack, Anything Goes, War Machine. Um, they're money made decibel. It, it's a good record. I really like this record. I always have. I felt like it was kind of a uh, almost a return to form in a way. Um, yeah, I really like this album. It was a very successful record. I think it was like the number two selling album when it came out. Uh, the only album that beat it out was I think fucking Coldplay or some crazy shit like that. But yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but. Um, uh, you know, well, chicks, they just got to ruin everything by buying bullshit, but hey. Real. Sorry, ladies, I love you, but... I, I don't, uh... I don't hate Black Ice. Um, it's just so long. It is a long record. It is a long record. I mean, fuck, if you get it on uh, vinyl, dude, it's a double album. I, it's I 15 bet. tracks. Yeah, 15 and tracks. And I think maybe you could shave a few of those songs off there, man. But I, I, I think the first two sides are pretty solid, man. Spoiling for a fight. I mean, even the title, if that isn't like an old school ACDC song, I don't know what is. I mean, that almost sounds like something that Bond would have wrote. Right, right. Well, that's awesome. Black Ice. Got to write those down so I can remember what you chose here. Black Ice is a good fucking album. Mine, I'm going a little further back than you are. And I was conflicted with this one, but we spoke. And there was at least some original stuff on it. Uh, I know where this is going. Yeah, and I'm just a huge fan of Who Made Who, man. Uh, just that song alone, I think it's a great fucking tune. I loved the video with all the millions of Anguses in the video playing guitar and bouncing mm -hmm. like he does. And then it's just a greatest hits fucking smorgasbord. Um, I forget what the other song is that's original on here. Maybe it's DT, the instrumental. Yes, which I love. Yeah, it's a great instrumental. Da, da, da. Yeah. Oh, man, you got Sink the Pink, Ride On, Hell's Bell, Shake Your Foundations, Chase the Ace for those about to rock. I know it's a soundtrack album from Maximum Overdrive or the Stephen King short story Trucks, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> right. But this one holds such a special place in my heart uh, just because of who made who and that music video Well, that I couldn't relegate it to an honorable mention. It had to be in the five, so I put it at the back of the pile. Okay. Because I, okay. I think it's a good jam. Well, here's my take on it. I didn't it didn't make my top five because it was a compilation album, but it was also a soundtrack to a movie. There is a few, um, like you said, original songs, but like the title track, even. I mean, dude, I remember that video, and that this was like a summer album. Yeah. Um, to me, I remember this was yeah. It came out May twenty fourth, nineteen eighty six. We played the fuck out of this. My, my buddy Eric Waters. Uh, who you know? I call him the Mopar man because he's always restoring old Mopar cars and stuff, you know. Nice. And he, um, he, and he just absolutely loves ACDC. And man, we had this in the tape deck like all the time that summer, man. You know, and part of it wasn't just for who made who. I love DT. I love that dun dun dun. Bah. Boom, down, down, down. I love that fucking yeah. It's, it's a good it's fucking, just fucking song, it's just, Yeah, man. it's one of those songs you can like walk down the street to. Like, yeah, that's right, that's right. 
Oh, yeah. You know what's up, you know. Even uh, Chase the Ace, the other instrumental is really cool. So, and plus you got, for those about to rock, Hell's Bells, Shake Your Foundations, Ride On, Sink the Pink. I mean, yeah, great. Yeah, Shake Your uh, Foundations is it's a great compilation album. Great, great, great song. And keep in mind, this album sold 5 million copies. Dude, it was it was For fucking a awesome. Album. That's pretty impressive. It's better than the Iron Man two soundtrack, which was nothing but ACDC, and I stand by that. You know, I did. It was it was hard going with that album, but I'm like, I just I couldn't, man. I I could not leave that out. Right on. Uh, so we're going to move on to number four, uh, and this is where I had to do some switching. And uh, for me, number four for me is Ball Breaker. And I, I know people shit on this album, but, man, fuck that. Hard as a Rock is great. Cover You in Oil is great. The Fuhrer is just fucking awesome. Boogeyman's just sleazy. The Honey Roll, you know, it's just sexy, nasty. Burning Alive. Hail Caesar. Love Bomb. Caught With Your Pants Down. Now, if you ask me, Bond could have wrote that bitch. Whiskey oh, yeah. on the Rocks and the title track, Ball Breaker. And, you know, 11 tracks just in, out, hit you in the dick and go. You know, it's it's quintessential ACDC. I, I, I dig the hell out of that album. Not a bad record. I don't understand why this album... It's not in my top five, but it's definitely honorable mention. Um, not a bad record at all. I, I and, and, and because I sit and listen to these records again, because I got to be honest with you, I hadn't heard Paul Breaker in a while. I mean, fuck album came out in 95 you know and uh i have to be honest when that record came out i mean 95 man i'm all into the pantera and the fear factory typo negative sepultura <laughs> you know the really heavy shit right. i still love acdc even then i did but it was like it kind of just kind of passed by my radar but my buddy eric as i mentioned before he bought the record of course you know because he loves acdc and uh i when, when I'd go over there and help him work on his cars and stuff, man, you know, which I'm not a gearhead by any means, but I'd help out as best as I could. Um, ACDC was playing on on his, you know, because uh, he has like a garage, like uh, with a lift and everything, right? Oh, nice, or, nice. Yeah. Well, his son does now, and something, but and he had like a PA system overhead, like a real shop. So we'd be cranking the ACDC while working on his cars and stuff, and. Um, uh, yeah, and I remember this album, him playing it. It's not a bad record at all. So, yeah, okay, man. Not bad. Nah, you're gonna, good. I think you're going to be surprised by my number four, but I'll explain why. All right, well, give it to me. The Razor's Edge. Fuck uh, yeah, dude. I didn't think you would like that album. Um, Well, I mean, it's weird because it's, it's you know, I'm not the world's biggest Bruce Fairbairn fan, you know? Um but, and, you know, he's the guy who produced it. Uh-huh. But the songs, man, like Thunderstruck, Fire Your Guns, Money Talks, what a catchy song. The Razor's Dude, Edge. Dude, that was like a perfect pop song. I don't give a yeah. fuck. Money Talks yeah. was great. Mistress for Christmas, a very funny song. Uh, uh, Rock yeah. Your Heart Out, Are You Ready, Got You By The Are Balls. Are You Ready a For A Good, good Dude, Time? Dude, that shit's yeah. so good. And, and you got to remember, this this came out because... Um, um, all right, because of when I was born, I was born in October, so I didn't get to enter kindergarten when I probably should have. And then I, because I, I, I think back then, you know, you got to remember I was a child of the 70s. They didn't have ADHD or 
ADD back then, but I had a hard time in class staying focused. I wouldn't do my work. Like, my teacher would literally have to separate me from the rest of the class. Oh, wow. because of that, my grades suffered for it. And for some reason, in my naivety, I believed that I was going to pass anyway. Like, I, I guess little Mike didn't realize that if you don't do your schoolwork, they're going to flunk you. Right. And that's what happened. But it was the best thing that happened to me because it made me go, whoa, I got to take this seriously like a job. You know, like dad goes to work. I go to school. I have to take, you know, I got to, it, 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 it kind of jolted me, you know. Sure. Um, and I think that if they did that to more kids nowadays, they would be better off, you know, instead of fucking just passing them through the system. But that's a whole other rant and meltdown and I'm not even going to get into. Sorry, Brian Davis. I know you love my meltdowns, you and <laughs> other listeners, but I just don't have the energy today. But anyway, um, uh, because of that, I didn't graduate high school till 1990, all right? And this album came out in September after I graduated. And this was just like one of those records that was always playing, you know, in the tape deck or the turntable at parties that I'd go to and stuff. It was just one of those albums that we would listen to right along with a lot, you know, I mean, right there with, believe it or not, uh, Rust in Peace and Seasons of the Abyss and all those records that came out in 1990. It was just one of those things where it was like, it was a party album, you know, basically. Oh, so yeah. I had a lot of good memories of you got, it. You got to remember, brother, 89, 90 is my junior, is my uh, freshman year. 90, 91 is my sophomore year. This album hit at the right time, dude. Uh yeah, I mean, I, I fucking love the Razor's Edge. Whenever we would play spades or dominoes or whatever it was, my buddies were playing. You know, we'd get be drinking beer, smoking weed. This would be one of the albums playing in the background. You know? Oh yeah, it was so, massive. Yeah. So yeah, I, I know. You know, like I said, I'm not the world, but it, to me, it's it's the songs, man. It, was, it just had really good songs, and and I have a lot of fond memories of this record. I mean, for me, especially the band like ACDC, some of it is going to be nostalgia. You know, sure, sure. So you know, that's why I went ahead and made it my number four. Well, I love your number four. What's your well, number three? Flick of the switch. Um, nice. This is an album I know that kind of gets lost. In the ACDT discography, it, it didn't do as well as the first two with Brian Johnson. It was really the first one where, um, you know, the Young Brothers pretty much produced it themselves, I do believe. Um, yeah, this uh, is one I had to go back and listen to, and it still didn't, it didn't strike a nerve with me. I, I liked it, though. I bought it when it came out. Um, to me, it's just good old school ACDC, man. I mean, Rising Power, The House is on Fire, the title track, Flick of the Switch, Nervous Shakedown, Landslide, Guns for Hire, Deep in the Hole, Bedlam in Belgium. I, I really like that song, Badlands, and even the last track, Brain Shake. I think it's a good, solid record. I just think that when you, you know, it's one of those situations where sooner or later they were going to dwindle a little bit, you know, because. After Back in Black, and then you get For Those About to Rock, I mean, where do you go from that? Yeah. Where do you go, you know? And, um, yeah, I, I think that uh, 
And also, I think they were kind of wanting to go for more of a rawer sound. And and also, from what I understand, they they, they didn't put uh, take as much time in recording as they would like to. But but I like the record, and maybe it is because of nostalgic reasons is the reason why I've got it as high as I have it. But uh, yeah, I love Flick of the Switch, but I'm assuming that's not on your list at all. It, no, it's not on my list. Uh, like I said, I had never really listened to it, uh, so I had to go back and rediscover that album. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's okay. It's definitely an ACDC record. I think Fly on the Wall was much better. Um, but that's, you know, Sink the Pink and Shake Your Foundations alone is better than anything on Flick of the Switch. But I only listened to Flick of the Switch once. So it's another one I would have to go and revisit again. Because uh, there's not really any ACDC that I hate. Right. I mean, dude, ACDC is one of those bands where I don't ever think they really put at a shitty record. You might like some better than others. Right, exactly. You, you know, there's certain bands that go in that category for me. Motorhead is one of those bands. Um, Crowbar. Uh, uh, um, oh, I'm tipping my tongue. Overkill. Um, come to, those are the type of bands where I go, okay, well, there's some albums I like better than others, but they never really go. They never put out a record where I'm like, Oh fuck, man! What the fuck? Never. Right. And, and and for me, I mean, I guess it's just because at the time, I mean, when this album come out, eighty three, I think. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm all about what was going on then, and I and I and I love the first two Brian Johnson albums, and and I I bought this, we bought this record when it come out, you know, because it was the next ACDC album, nice. and we we played it a lot. But yeah, I did notice even at the time, like it wasn't, it just didn't. It was, you know, it was a letdown. It didn't, it didn't sell near as well. Well, those first two uh, albums out the those gate. Those first, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, well, back in black, what? That's fucking like, my God, it sold a gazillion copies, and fuck, I think for those about to rock went quadruple platinum or something like that. Man, it sold a lot. So, sure. yes, yeah, you know, so. But, um, yeah, and I like Fly on the Wall. I think Fly on the Wall is a good record, you know. I mean, again, that was one of those records I listened to at that time when it came out. We It was in our tape deck, you know, Shake Your Foundation, Sink the Pink, even the title track. It's a good record. It's not in my top five, but, again. Yeah, we'll see. It's, it's not in mine either. <laughs> but the one thing I will say about Fly on the Wall is, or any of them, is, like I said, there. I don't really think you can go, oh, well, that's a shitty fucking record. You know, I, I can't do that. Where I can do that with other bands and artists. Bands that I absolutely love and adore. But there's some shit in their catalog where I'm like, uh, I, I didn't feel that. And I right. know you feel the same way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even with my all-time favorite band, you know, that, that kind of stuff just happens. My number three we already discussed. And I think we're about to have this problem for the, for these. Uh, the Razor's Edge. Uh, mm. Like I said, uh, when, when did it come out? 90? What, what? 90. Yeah, yeah. What, what month? Oh, it came out in the uh, September, I think. September, okay. So I was so just going to, I was going to my sophomore year of high school, dude, and that album hit and thunderstruck. Just said, I was like, what, 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 what? <laughs> and then, you know, Money Talks, and, I, and I'm talking about FM, you know, Top 40 Radio. These songs are on Top 40 Radio. And, I, dude, Money Talks was such a great jam. Both those songs were huge on Headbangers Ball. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, like you said, uh, the, the local rock station, KC95, they played Money Talks a lot. But they always played ACDC here in St. Louis, even with Bon Scott. 
Well, that's how so I did our I rock wrote. station when we got a rock station. We didn't have a rock right. station at you the know, time. You know, so to was. me it was like, oh, it's just the new ACDC. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And like I said, man, we, we had this, you know, because we'd have like a double tape deck at our parties or whatever, and we would fucking boom. We'd put in one tape and then the next tape, and then and it would fucking, you know, like, yeah, Razor, uh, Razor's Edge was in that rotation along with a lot of other albums that came out that year during that time period. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because just... if you're going to have a party, everybody's always going to have ACDC. They're one of those party bands like Van Halen. Which which is funny because I don't necessarily think of ACDC as a party band, but you're absolutely right. And, but they and, are, and dude. Think about because you I said did, uh, they're one of those bands that you said in the last episode, dude, that we recorded that they're one of those bands that appeal to everybody. Well, that's what I was just about to say. I've been to parties down here since I've moved to the south, and these people are all country music fans. You know, I've, I've met some bangers down here, but most of them are country music fans. But they love ACDC. But man, though. you play ACDC, you got them. They're, they're, they're brought in, and it doesn't matter if it's Bond Scott era, all the way back to high voltage. They yep. like ACDC. I mean, and, and yep. that's I mean, that just tells you there's something to be said for this band. Um, I'll go ahead and move to number two. Um, and for me, number two, I, I think it's highly, highly predictable. Highly predictable. Mm-hmm. And that's for those about to rock. Yeah. Um, I mean, come on. That song alone. Oh, dude. I mean, for real, with a 21-gun salute, and everything. what an amazing song. Put the finger on you's amazing. Let's get it up. Inject the venom, snowballed, evil walks. Yeah, what a great song. Oh, it's like it's like nobody ever talks about that song. Are you fucking killing me or uh, kidding me? COD, Breaking the Rules, Night of the Long Knives, Spellbound. What a great fucking record, man. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a number two album for me as far as ACDC is concerned. Brian Johnson era, uh, number two for you. Same. Um, now, this is my personal favorite Brian Johnson album. You know, for reasons of sentimentality, it was the first ACDC album I ever bought with my own money. Every all the albums before that were Mulder Brothers. But you gotta understand, with my big brother, he was only three years older than me, and then I had my twin brother, and all of us would buy records, and we shared our music. You know, it was just we most of the time we would listen to music together. You know, right? So it was like, uh, but um, you know, my big brother, I think it was 1980. I can't remember exactly now what record he wanted to get, but he was like, "Hey, dude." You know, why don't you get for those about to rock and I'll get, I'm like, okay, cool. So that's what we did, you know. And uh, and because of that, and I, I'll never forget, dude, the first time I heard the title track, man. KC95, the rock station that I talked about that, that's still going. Right. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, man, they got a they got a Monday Night Metal show they did. And they did it last night, man. And it was, it, it was really cool. It kind of reminded me of my show, man. She went from S.O.D. to nice. the Deftones to fucking merciful fate wow to fucking old school motley crew to fucking hate breed to you know like new shit man she played like fucking um amount of marth and like uh you know uh it was crazy man you know she's playing like the really newer bands but just going you know and i was like right on man it was really really cool and i love that you know that's awesome um but anyway yeah i love kc and 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 they're they're kind of an influence on what i'm doing here with that metal station you know i mean sure, sure. um 
so yeah they, but i remember when they premiered this album dude and we stayed up late at night me and my older brother and my twin brother mark and we're sitting in his room and it's dark and my brother's got a stereo on but we kind of have to have it a little low we can't have it too loud because yeah, you know the we'll trouble right, right. <laughs> what are you guys still doing i'm going to bed get your ass to bed you know and uh like uh, like but, kids on christmas eve yeah, and then when you hear that that intro, that dun dun dun, and how it just builds up and builds up and builds up, and I just remember going, I still I still get whenever I hear for those about to rock, the hairs on my neck still stand to this day. Man, it's such a good song. I mean, you know, especially when they do the whole fucking twenty one gun salute. I'm yeah. just it's just so they bad. Pick up the pace, and he's just screaming, "Shout, shout!" Right. Right, and, and, and uh, the other thing I love about it is, to me, it wasn't just about, they weren't just talking about themselves, they were talking about, they weren't even just talking about their contemporaries, I feel like they were talking about the future, um, you know, uh, they were talking about the future generation of hard rock and heavy metal bands, like, you know, for those about to rock, for those that will come behind us, you know, and believe it or not, Slipknot actually used that song as their intro during their Knot Fest in 2019, 2021, and this year's tour. This is the song they use nice. as their intro before they come on stage. So, I mean, need I say more, you know? Yeah, I know, that's badass, because Slipknot fucking rule, too. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I know that that's a band that kind of get, uh, uh, you know, I can say they're kind of divisive, but I like them. Um, I I remember the first time I ever saw them at Ozfest, and nobody knew who the fuck they were then. And uh, yeah, I like them, especially the first three records. I think are are, are great. After that, they're kind of, sp- but they still put some good songs out. And and I don't know, like some people want to throw them in the the new metal category, or whatever. But I'm like, okay, yeah, just because they use a turntable once in a while. To me, they were always, especially if you hear it, listen to a band uh, album like Iowa. That's a heavy fucking. Yeah, they're they're way too heavy to be new metal, if you ask me. They're not nearly yeah. as groove oriented. Now they got a little more groove oriented as they moved on, I I, they and were, I like I that stuff a lot. They had more of a thrash sound to them, yeah, sonically than they did. Yeah, they might brutal. be wearing jumpsuits and crazy shit, but when you listen to the music. It's fucking fast, it's furious, it's in your face. Dude, especially first time the- I heard of was was that debut album, and I bought it Yeah, at, you know, Columbia House. I was like, well, that's the new shit, I'll try that. Let me see what this new stuff is. And that song's sick. You know, here come the pain. I was like, what the f-? This was my what the fuck is this moment. Right. Because when well, Slipknot dropped, I hadn't heard anything that heavy. Right, well, here's the thing, and I dude. knew Pantera and all those bands, dude. I knew the thrash era of the 80s. Right. This, this, was, this was on a different level, Slipknot. Well, here's the thing. First time I heard Slipknot, a buddy of mine had a, um, uh, <coughs> a demo with just two songs. And there was, like, this black and white photo with these dudes, and there was, like, spider webs around them. And, yeah, they had masks on, but I just thought, well, that's just a cover, whatever. Uh, so I had no idea they actually looked that way. Oh, yeah. But I liked the two songs. I was like, man, this is pretty heavy. Kind of reminded me of a bit of, um, believe it or not, even though they're not, but Sepultura, especially when Sepultura got in that fucking tribal shit, you know, right, being right. that they're having all this percussionist. I'm like, well, this is, this is pretty fucking cool. And then I remember walking into Ozfest, dude, and they were in second stage. So I'm literally giving them my ticket. They're patting me down. St. Louis, will you please welcome Slipknot? And these motherfuckers come out behind the speakers. And their fucking crazy jumpsuits. 
I got carrot nose dude flipping off his jerking his nose off and flipping me off. I'm like, what the fuck is this, silly? Yep. And then they just ripped. And I mean, the whole place went insane. The pit exploded. A buddy of mine ended up losing his shoe. He eventually found it, but it they went nuts, dude. They kicked fucking ass. And I I turned around to my best friend Brian Honaker, whose nickname's Big B, and I said, "These guys are going to be fucking huge." And, I just knew, and they definitely were. And, they, and and my nephew, who came, was just a little guy. At the time the band was cool enough. After they got done, they signed everybody's autographs. And there were some guys that were being kind of pushy, older dudes. And Corey and the clown uh, Shaw and Crahan went off and said, "Hey, quit pushing the little guys around, motherfuckers. We're here for them just as much as we are here for you. Nice. They're the future." And he signed Chris's shit. You know, DJ Kane. It was really cool, man. Like they were really cool dudes, and. Um, yeah, they put on yeah. a hell of a show. Uh, Fuck yeah, they did, because I saw them much later, obviously. Yeah. Uh, they were the headliner with Marilyn Manson and Of Mice and Men. And uh, Nevaeh picked that show, dude, so she was like nine years old, maybe mm -hmm. ten. And the best part of that is a psychosocial is the jam she likes, dude. Yeah. And they rip into that motherfucker. And me and her, we're both headbanging hard as shit. You know, me and my little girl there... You know, fists in the air, throwing the horns, singing all the lyrics. And I turn around and I see this woman running towards Nevaeh. And then there's another woman behind her, waving her arms, screaming, She's a hugger! She's a hugger! <laughs> you know, I, I guess I wouldn't knock this bitch out. Because she just, she saw little Nevaeh rocking the fuck out to Slumdot. And she was moved by it. Oh, she wanted to come up and give her a big old squeeze. It was such a cool fucking moment. And that's the great thing about metal. No matter what kind of metal you listen to, man, when the little kids are doing it, you got to high five them fuckers. I don't recommend running up on kids because that freaks parents out. Let me just let you know. <laughs> oh, dude, I remember when I saw Hatebreed at uh, the Ozfest. And uh, they were at second stage. This was a year where Lamb of God was there, too. And um, fucking, in fact, I think that was the show, I'm pretty sure that it was Slayer, Judas Priest, and Black Sabbath were the headliners. They were the last. Oh, wow. Was fucking amazing. And and there was a little, and, and it's cool, man, because Jamie Joss is out there. He's rocking. He's got a Kiss shirt on. You know, he's doing his thing. I love hate breed. And, um, uh, yeah. this, this little kid was in the fucking crowd, man. And he goes, come on up here. And he gets him up on, this is the fucking future right here. The kid's fucking throwing the devil horns. It was awesome, dude. That's great. You know, it was like, you know, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Nothing yeah, makes me real. happier than seeing kids at a rock and roll or heavy metal concert, dude. Right. And that's the thing. Like, sometimes people want to bitch about some of these new bands and, okay, granted, dude. Maybe you don't like them, but maybe you're a, you're not their target audience, you know. And two, to me, any band that gets kids going to a hard rock, or any rock or metal show, really, you don't even have to be hard rock. That's a good thing. Oh, hell Jamie Chasta yeah. from Hatebreed again. I listen to his podcast. He does an excellent podcast. Um, he says a high tide raises all ships. Right. And, you know, Jamie's also into promoting and stuff. He promotes a lot of shows and stuff. And he's always he's always banging on that point that... I did some great work with you know, Dee Snyder. Yes, he did. Um, you're, you know, your Volt Beats, your Five Finger Death Punches, your Avengers at Sevenfolds, whether you like them or not, and, and, and I've got mixed feelings about all three of those bands. Sure. 
Um, some of their stuff I like, some of it I'm not big on. I'm not going to be honest with you, but, but at the same time, if it, if, if I think those are bands that are kind of what I call good gateway bands. That's why it bothers me when I see some older metalheads, I'll tag some of these young'uns when they're into a band. I'm like, hey, leave them alone, man. They'll figure it out, okay? Like, dude, I know a guy, his gateway band was Corn. You know what he listens to now? He listens to, I mean, he, 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 he went back to the old school because obviously he loved Corn and he heard who Corn's heroes were, so he goes and he checks them out. And then he fucking got into thrash, and then he got into death metal, and now he listens to some really, really heavy. I mean, some of it's too heavy even for me. But my point is, is that his gateway band was Corn, but he listens to a lot of different kinds of rock and metal now that he may never have gotten into if it hadn't been for Corn. Sure. Now you know, a Corn's an out a band for me that you know I, I dug the first two or three albums. I'm one of those metal. I know it's probably weird, especially my age, because here I'm all into thrash metal. But I was never one of those guys where it's either thrash metal or nothing. It's either this type of metal or it's nothing. It's, I've never been that way. And, you know, people can bemoan corn all you want. And, yeah, it got old. I'll admit it got old. You know, I'm like, anymore when I hear corn, I'm like, eh, typical corn. Doesn't really do anything for me. They're kind of, in some ways, ironically enough, the ACDC of new metal. They haven't really changed their sound. They don't really evolve. They don't really, you know, they haven't done anything where I'm like, fuck yeah. However, those first three records, I did like. And at the time, I'm like, whoa, they're down-tuning, which I'm already into Black Sabbath. I like that slow, thick metal you know, sound, like Typo Negative and Crowbar. Crowbar down-tuned. So when 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 Korn did it, I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, and I know they didn't have guitar solos, but again, that's what was kind of unique about them. It set them apart from other bands. And and I, I understand that maybe some of your old older metal fans, older than me, couldn't get into it, couldn't like it. But yeah, that's fine. It wasn't for the them. Time, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't. And and I, um, I don't even know if it was really for me, really, but I dug it. It was different. You know? well, that's the great thing open. about this kind of music is that it constantly evolves. I, yes. I had never listened to fucking Avenged Sevenfold, dude, but I was playing uh, uh, Madden. Um, I want to say maybe it was 96. Don't hold me to that could have been much later it's one that had a uh, donovan McNabb on the cover i didn't even have a uh, didn't even have the playstation version i was playing the pc version and avenge sevenfold's bat country was playing you know while i'm playing the game it's, it's it's part of the game and what got me was the drums i'm like what the literal fuck that dude was a badass drummer I'll fuck, give him yeah that. the rev jimmy sullivan he was amazing i dude and it just i had to go at, at first i get that song and then, you know, in the old LimeWire days, I can't tell you how many viruses I had to wipe off my computer. I just started downloading everything that said Avenged Sevenfold. I just started downloading, dude, and I, I, I dig them. I know a lot of guys my age and older don't like them. And I'm just like, fuck you, you know who their heroes are? Guns N' Roses. M. Shadow said on that metal show that if he could be in any band and what instrument would he play, he would be in Guns N' Roses and play guitar because that's where he came from. It, yeah, it, I mean, it all. It's, it's see, it's funny. Evolve. I don't hear Guns N' Roses at all in their music, though. To me, first time I heard In Avenged Sevenfold, I was like, "Oh, this is kind of like Iron Maiden on steroids." That's what it reminded me of. And I'm not putting them down when I say that. I'm just saying that's what it reminded sure, me of. It reminded sure. me of Iron Maiden, but with the drumming 
it was like, oh, this is Maiden on steroids. You know, yeah, I mean, it didn't really, it I, didn't really blow me away, but I didn't hate it either. I, I, it's funny how some bands just people, oh, I fucking hate them, and even if it's a band I don't care for, I'm just like, eh, whatever, you know. That's me, you know. Like it doesn't. I'm not saying that. That's why I get kind of irritated when I when I'll see people put down somebody for liking the. Hey, you know, like fucking take it easy there. You're not the fucking authority on what is cool and what isn't cool or what is metal and what's not metal you know it's like you you know like what you like and you know what to quote our good friend ralph i hate bands not fans and i love that you know like hey if you're a fan fan of that you know um good for you you know it's you you know that's kind of how i i look at it yeah and and like i said metal's gotta constantly evolve you know, maybe people don't like the way it's evolved and they've gone more underground and can't stick with the radio metal bands. I tend to like the radio metal bands. Uh, there's some I don't like much. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Uh, and there's some that even I hate on and I sit back and say, why, why the fuck am I hating on this band? Am I hating on them because my metal's dead? And these guys are popular? And let me help you out. Yes, that's exactly why. Because I can't blame Nickelback for writing radio-friendly hard rock songs, man. It's it's not as bad as we like to make it out to be. We're just so stuck in our own heads that, that we can't appreciate it. It's got to have I'm, a certain I'm not a style. fan at all. I'm, I, uh, dude, I'm not. I'm not either. But hey, but Every time I like listen them. to it, because I hear it, and I have one Nickelback record. I have none. But I'm I, like... The, the one I have I love is called Dark Horse, and I recommend everybody get it. But fuck, man, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, this is really not that bad. Obviously, a lot of my peers are. <laughs> but hey, what the fuck do I know? Everywhere those guys play, they pack places. Oh yeah, they sell records. They must be doing something right. Like if you, again, man, and and like Jamie says, a high tide raises all ships. You know, if you, if it. And people who get into Nickelback, maybe they'll get into other kinds of rock and metal. And this is the thing, man. Right now, at this point in time especially, there's so much different types of rock and metal. You can find something that you like. Absolutely. I mean, this whole 
new wave of traditional hard rock and metal that's going on is fucking great. And the new wave of thrash metal is great. I love a lot of that. I like a lot of the newer doom metal and stoner metal bands and shit that are coming out of the woodwork. A lot of them with female seniors. Love it. Love a lot of the new stuff coming out. Bands like Lucifer and, uh, you know, uh, Ruby the Hatchet and Drug Cult. I love that shit. Yeah, man. I haven't like, heard I th- of any of it. I love it. I, I think it's really fucking cool, man. You know, I, I don't see a reason. Or our, our girl, Abby K. There's a one right there. You oh, know, yeah. like, I don't. You know, and there's like that one song, which is... Speaking of Abby K, they're going to be dropping a single soon. Oh, good. For their forthcoming album. Um, But the the, the Abby K band, man, was... I mean, and it's even more of a poppy song, but it's still got that riff, and I just love her voice on it. Right. Uh, But pay attention. It's just... Even I played it for Bill, and he liked it, and he's like, you know, I shouldn't like this because it's as poppy as it is, but it's fucking good. And I said, I know, dude. Like, you know, um, again... But what's cool about it is you can hear enough of the. There's still enough metal in there where I'm like, all right, I'm down with this, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's no different than uh, some of the early glam metal that I love. Like, yes, I like, okay, Def Leppard and Pyromania. Yes, I hear the pop in the metal, but there's still metal there. There's enough metal there where I'm like, yeah, you know, um, where I feel like they kind of went way more poppier and less rock and metal. But hey, what the fuck do I know, man? They sold a gazillion copies of the... Well, Pyromania sold a gazillion copies, but Hysteria was even bigger. Right. You know, they, you know I mean, but, you know, and there's a lot of women, and they buy records, and that's why I call it clit rock, but that's another thing. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what, man. We've got down to our number one, and I think we both have the same number oh, one. Oh, come on. We all know what it yeah. is. We all knew what it was going to be. It has to be back in black. Yeah, there's dude. no way we could get around that. I mean... My God, it, this is to to them what I think, I mean, because I, I know your number one was their uh, international debut album. And, you know, yeah, high at, voltage, yeah. and when I look at it, especially a song, I'm like, man, I can see why Bush made that. It's a great record. Great record. Not, a, said, not a bad song at all. No, dude, like I said in, in my Bon Scott list, I'm like, any one of these could have been one. In fact, I'm, I, 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 if you remember, I joked one A, one B, one C. It was it, they, the, all those records I felt were that fucking good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was special. Those five albums, they were definitely special. Oh yeah, and and, and but I think most people feel the the greatest Bond album generally. I would say I know some, you know, I know Power Age has its fans, and hey, I love that album too. But almost everybody universally, oh, it's Highway to Hell, and this is the same way with this album. Back in black. It's just, yeah. It, it's it's not even opinion anymore. It's kind of like what Ralph and Ian. Yeah, says. science. It's science, man. And and I mean, it, it really is. Just I mean, not it's just, a bad song. Oh, dude, Hell's Bell, shoot the thrill. What do you do for money, honey? Giving the dog a bone. Let me put my love into you. Which that, I mean, that's what's funny about Brian. I know he wrote a lot of the lyrics to this album, but there's some of them where I'm like. Holy shit, that sounds like something Bond would say. Like, let me put my love into you. Right. To have a drink on me. Total Bond Scott uh, uh, vibe there. Were some of the other songs, uh, like Hell's Bells, that I think is total Brian Johnson uh, what lyrics. A great, riff, great intro. Oh, dude, right. you know, mm. I mean, dude, you know, even, even the lyrics, man, it's just fucking like if you're into evil. You're a friend of mine, and yeah, and, uh, uh, yeah. It's just a 
just a cool, perfect album opener. Back in Black. Are you kidding me, man? You shook me all night long. Yes, it's played out, but hey, it's like I always say, though, there's a reason why songs get played out sometimes because they're great songs. Yeah, and, even, and even You Shook Me All Night Long, I can still listen to. It's not like some songs where I'm like, I don't need to hear that ever again, ever. Right. I, Have a drink on me, shake a leg. And man, dude, I still to this day, rock and roll ain't noise pollution. I fucking love that song because it's just yeah. like a big little finger to the establishment like fuck you rock and roll is here to stay and even when you want to call it metal or whatever or whatever it's rebellion and that is what rock and roll is man it's rebellion personified man and and uh yeah i um (laughs) yeah i love this album man i mean like i said i think for those about to rock might be my sentimental favorite but if I'm going to be objective about it, yeah, this is their masterpiece, the Brian Johnson uh, era of the band. Oh, yeah, and, uh, this this is Rust in Peace. This is Master of Puppets. Yes, I yes. Mean, this just, is Diary of a Madman. Yeah, this is Paranoid just, by Black Sabbath. Yeah, it's, it's just records. that album, you know. Yeah. Because, yeah, that, that's one you could play, and you could put that bitch on repeat. Remember when CDs came out, you just hit repeat, and it would just play the whole mm-hmm. album over and over and over? Yep. You know, it's just it's just that good. Uh, yeah, I kind of figured our top two would be the same. Um, I really thought you were going to go for those about to rock for your sentimental reasons, but I'm glad you saw the light and realized that nothing oh, no, I, back in black. Well, it's kind of like why I have ultimately picked Highway to Hell as my number one. If I was going to go sentimental, it would probably be Powerage, dude. But Powerage is a good album. But, I mean... And Highway to Hell is my number two, I mean... Right, <laughs> That's fucking... Dude, it's tough, and the Power Ridge was number three. Well, as I said, the Bon Scott, in some ways, for me, was a lot harder to rank. Um, this one, not so much. But, like I said, all the albums that aren't my top five, by no means do, do I mean any disrespect to those records. Those are all... Like I said, I think ACDC is one of those bands that just... They never really put out a bad record. No. There's just some that I like more than others. But it, this, not, is, this is the way I think of ACDC. They have some amazing albums. And then they have some really good albums that might have too much filler, but, right. they, but there's no bad album. You know, like in fact, you could make the argument that Black Ice has a bit of filler, but I still like it. Sure. No, I, I'm with you, dude. And there's there's a lot of albums in there that could have made the list. I mean, Back in Black is always going to be number one, and and I think you know for those about to rock will always be number two. Um, I probably could have switched out who made who. I probably could have switched out Ball Breaker. I think Razor's Edge stays. <laughs> I really do. But who made who for sentimental reasons? I mean, only because I couldn't do the... Um, well, uh, I mean, what the hell was the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? Because Big Gun was such a great fucking song. The <laughs> Last Action Hero? Yeah, 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 that one. But it's not an ACDC album. It's just that song on the album. Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, we were talking about sentimental. I'd have to say probably that's why Flick of the Switch is on mine. Nice. You know, because it's not, when you think about the great ACDC albums, I mean, nobody ever goes to this record, really. But for me, I just have a lot of fond memories of buying that record, being excited about it, and not being disappointed. I'm like, fuck yeah, it's ACDC. It's still, they're still heavy. They're still, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it was, it was a cool record. But yeah, that's why I've got ranked number three though, because it, it, it does not beat the first two for sure. 
Hell yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, that is our ranking of the top five uh, Brian Johnson era ACDC albums. I'll tell you what, this time, why don't you guys leave us a comment on the Podbean? Leave us a comment on Podchaser. Leave us a comment in iTunes. Let us know what your top five ACDC albums are. I don't want to see any fucking comments on the episode, dickheads. <laughs> um, another thing. I don't want to see it on Facebook. Oh, I, oh, I was going to say, well, we do have a Facebook group page, man, that I've been trying to invite people to get to join and get that to be a bigger thing and maybe get more interactive with yeah, some I'm of the so listeners that Yeah, I'm so bad about posting there. Yeah, uh, well, I've been doing some posting. As I said, I invited, we got like a bunch of new members just recently. I'm going to uh, keep doing that and trying to invite more people to join because it's, you know, good stuff, yeah. man. Oh, yeah. Well, this was an awful lot of fun. Um, it's always a good time with you, brother. Oh, yeah. Especially after the anal raping I took the other night. It's good to see we agreed <laughs> on something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Man. Yeah, I was kind of like, Edwin, are you sure? I mean, because I, I, I was like, man, I don't want this to be like everybody shitting on a record that Bushy obviously loves. Because I don't really, I'm, I don't really like doing that. I, I'm not a guy who wants to shit all over something, even if it's something I don't like. It's like you know, I don't like negativity, really. You know? Yeah, but see, I have a thick skin. At the same time, I gotta be. I know you do. I know you do, bro. I know. I, know I, I laugh so much, I didn't even care, man. I had a good time. You know, you know, and I mean, you know, uh, well, you kind of have to, I think, in, in what we're doing. You sure. can't be a fucking pussy and, and be a podcaster, or especially with what we're doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you're going to have to, especially when you put yourself out there for the public to listen to you, you know, um, you're going to get, yeah, you're going to get your guys that love you, but you're going to also get some hate. But you know what? I say bring it on, dicks. Yeah, I'm not scared. Fuck um, the, fuck I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Look, I just got raped by three dudes the other day, so whatever. <laughs> I don't really give a, you know, because I don't. I don't care if you like, if you, because here's my attitude. If you don't like it, don't listen to us. For real. It's real fucking simple, man. If you can't handle a man's honest opinion, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised I haven't gotten any hate for the Motley Crew because I know there's some crew fans out there that, you know, they get pissed. You know, um, I, oh no, because I'm also I'm also a realist, <laughs> you know, and I can see the arguments that are made for shitty crew. I, you know, I get it, so that's why it doesn't bother me. I just like what I like, and I won't back well, out on it. But that's the one thing I will say about Motley Crew. Like I said before, is to me they they put out enough albums, they've been around long enough to where, and they always somehow still manage to stay somewhat relevant. Where a lot of their contemporaries, if we're talking about the West Coast scene, let's be honest, did not. A lot of them either imploded or they or they just faded away or whatever the fuck happened, you know? Sure, cause there was a lot more stuff I used to listen to back in the day than I do now. Motley Crue, though, uh, that's why I argue that they've had a more of a Hall of Fame career than Guns N' Roses. And I know I'm sure that's going to piss off some GNR fans, but sorry, guys, it's just how I see it. I'm sorry, 20-something years between albums is not a fucking Hall of Fame career. To me, a big part of being a Hall of Famer, whether it's in sports or whatever, is longevity. It's doing it and doing it on a consistent basis for a long time. And having a rate of success for that amount of time. 
Like, I don't like Bruce Springsteen at all, but guess what? He's had a Hall of Fame career. Yep. Whether you like him or not, it's irrelevant, you know, and that's my point. Guns N' Roses took fucking 50 fucking years between albums, and then when it came out, it was a controversial one, to say to say the least. I, I That's not... They're, they're not Hall of Famers to me, man. Sorry. Overrated. Overrated. Oh, no way. So anyway... Boy, what a great <laughs> album. One great album, and, and after that, man, everybody wants to put them up there with the Zeppelins and the and the Sabbaths and the fucking Kisses. No, 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 no. Nah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, man. Aerosmith, no. They're, they don't touch any of those bands, in that, my opinion. That, that band just opinion. struck a chord with people. Yes, they have. I'll, you know? I'll acknowledge that. I will acknowledge that. Um, but I, I'm like... Maybe if they had kept putting out records in this amount of time, whether I liked them or not. Well, look, if you feel any better about this, Axel rejected it. He didn't show up. Yeah, I guess, but fuck the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It ain't about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm just saying I don't see why. I don't understand the... I'm like, man, they didn't put out that many albums, dude. When you compare other bands that are Hall of Famers, whether it's rock and roll, heavy metal, I, I'm just using Hall of Famer as, as an expression. Well, you understand me, what I'm trying me, to say? Let me put it to you this way. What the Beatles put out? Seven? Oh, they put out more than seven, dude. See, I don't know, because I'm not a huge Beatles fan. But they weren't around long. They had, like, what, 12 years and were gone? I don't even know. If, uh, let's see here. That's a good question, man. You know, and then John Lennon tried his solo career, and that shit sucks. I like four or five songs. Okay, um, hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen records. That's pretty fucking good considering their first record came out in 1963. They weren't even around a decade, and they did all that. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so no longevity. They were gone. They did. They did all that. They did that. Yeah, okay, but that's how many more albums than Guns and Fucking Roses? <laughs> just, look, I'm just, in, down, in I'm, just time, I'm just man. playing devil's advocate, bitch. You're just playing devil's advocate <laughs> because you want to be fucking contrarian, you motherfucker. When you know deep down I'm right. Uh, fucking 20 fucking years between albums, but yet they're fucking the mighty Guns and Roses. Whatever. Well, I mean, something could be said, Paul. Uh, uh, Paul's still fucking uh, selling out uh, arenas and stadiums. Oh, yeah. But so is Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Hey, I, I, you know, you're right. They got back together and everybody fucking went nuts. Guess who didn't? I didn't. In fact, it was funny. Bill went with his ex-girlfriend, who he's still friends with, Amanda. And she was actually going to take me originally. Bill's like, well, he wouldn't. Which I'm like, dude, I would have went. If it was fucking free, I'd have went. But it was hilarious because they opened up with your It's So Easy, which is my all-time favorite Guns N' Roses song. Fucking song rules. And they went from that to, I think, Mr. Brownstone. Love that one, too. Or maybe it was Night Train. I can't remember what it was. And then they went, into some, they went into some bullshit. I forget what song it was, but it's, it was from one of the later albums that I did not like. And, and Bill turned around and looked at a man and said, see, if Mike was here, he'd be like, let's go. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I wouldn't. Have. I would just went and got a beer break. No, I'll stay for the whole show. No, this is a lot of fun. Uh, boy, ACDC, like I said, let us let us know what your picks are. Uh, yeah, by all of, means, let us know. Tell us how. Tell us what that we're wrong and why we're wrong. Yeah, right, right. Except I'll back in black. You're not arguing that with us. 
And and, and and tell me why I'm wrong about Guns N' Roses and why they're like the greatest band ever. And the guy, Guns N' Roses. Oh, they're not the greatest band ever. Calm down. Calm down there, baby. Oh, hey, man. <laughs> the way some people act. Fuck. I mean, I, I like the hell out of them, but whoa, whoa, whoa. Greatest ever? No, calm down. <laughs> yeah, you know, people want to compare them to the Rolling Stones. They ain't even pimple in the ass of the fucking Rolling Stones, okay? No, Let's no, get no. real here. No, no, no. Now, there is a band with some longevity. Oh, yeah, you think? <laughs> Fucking love the Stones. Fuck yeah. So, all right, Metal Mike, you got anything to plug this week? You know, honestly, dude, I really fucking don't, man. I can't. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do have something to plug now that I think about it. Hell yeah. Yes, I do. Um, let's see here. I am going to plug uh, a band that I've plugged before. But what's cool about it is it's their brand spanking new album. It just came out. I haven't gotten the vinyl yet, but I got the digital download because I bought the album from their band camp. And whenever you buy something in physical media, they give you a digital version of it for free, which is pretty sweet. comes with it, I guess I should say. Nice. And, um, god damn it. Looking for it. Okay, here we go. Yeah. The band is Haunt. Um, Trevor William Church, who's the son of the bass player for Sammy Hagar, Bill Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had two bands. Of course, I've mentioned them both before many times. There's Beastmaker, his doom metal band, which is, they're no longer doing it, I, I, I don't think. But uh, his other band, he is still going strong with it. And they're more of a new wave of traditional hard rock and heavy metal. Haunt is the name of the band. And their latest album is Beautiful Distraction just came out and it's a killer killer record i highly recommend it go to their band camp buy their stuff if you loved um because it's very new wave of british heavy metal sounding um i hear some maiden in there i even hear a bit of like thin lizzie with the twin guitar attack uh just really really cool stuff you know i love them i think they're great i highly recommend them i know i think i've had even had you play them here on the show before bush really really cool band New album, Beautiful Distraction. Check it out. Hell yeah, check that out. Uh, I have one. I actually discovered them because of Decibel Geek Live last Friday. Uh, Dawn of the Rising. They huh. have... Dawn of the Rising. I'm writing that down right now because I'm yeah. always looking for new songs. Well, I'm going to put their new song at the end of this. You know how I always play the last song and I play the whole song? Uh, they have a new track out called Soldiers. Man, it, it's it's heavy, it's thick, but it reminds me of like Ace Fraley Rock Soldiers. Oh yeah. Uh, but but it's much heavier, and the lyrics are cheesy while not being cheesy. If that makes any sense. Okay. So check out Dawn of the Rising. They're on all the uh, they're on all the socials. Um, they do have one album on. Uh, nope, it looks like a track. So, so maybe they just have released tracks. I see Just Broken, Prophets of Fire, Endless Cries, The Rising. Um, they have a self-title called Dawn of the Rising. Uh, I, I highly man, uh, recommend you check those guys out. It, it, it's definite, definite good stuff. Um, uh, Chris and Aaron interviewed the uh, singer and guitar player. Uh, and even through their technical difficulties... Because there was there was a crazy echo, uh, man. That great video they premiered the video on Decibel Geek. 
Check it out, Dawn of the Rising Soldiers. Go to Bandcamp, buy their shit. It's real good stuff. Cool, cool. All right, Bush, I'll check them out, man. Hell yeah, it's good stuff. I mean, actually, I've got turned on to a few bands from listening to uh, Aaron and Chris, man. Same. Uh, yeah, some cool stuff. Good guys, man. We love the Decibel Geek guys. They rule. Hell yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Can't, can't uh, wait to go to Rock and Pot in April. And, uh, of course, I also want to plug the station and all the amazing DJs, including my co-host, can check them out there at thatmetalstation.com. And we're also going to be doing something pretty cool here in the future. I'm not going to quite get into it now, but yeah, pretty stay, soon I will. Stay yeah, tuned. Stay tuned for sure. All right, man, let's get out of here. Final thoughts. Keep fighting the good fight and stay metal, my brothers and sisters. Hell yeah. Bye, vinyl. We'll see you next time. Hey, this was really fun. We hope you liked it too. Seems like we've just begun when suddenly we're through. Goodbye, goodbye, good friends, goodbye. Cause now it's time to go. But hey, I say, well that's okay. Cause we'll see you very soon, I know. Very soon, I know. What the fuck? Is this shit? This is how we say goodbye on the plug. See you next week.